All right, so kicking this podcast off today, uh, I wanted to start with the attention economics. So we've talked a little bit about uh, the attention economy, but basically the idea is, is an approach to the management of information that treats human attention as a scarce commodity and applies economic theory to solve various information management problems. So basically... Attention is focused mental engagement on a particular item information. Items come into our awareness, we attend to a particular item, and then we decide whether to act. As content has grown increasingly abundant and immediately available, attention becomes the limiting factor in the consumption of info. Your attention is a scarce resource and a person only has so much of it. I was telling my wife that Sometimes I feel like the eye of Sauron in Lord of the Rings where, you know, you turn toward something and you focus on it for a few hours and then something pulls your attention in a different direction. So you have to switch and slowly move over there and then you try to get something done and then something pulls, you know. So you gotta like re restructure your whole like, all right, you know, because you're focused on one thing, then you got to change gears and it's like, all right, now you got to use a different aspect of your brain because you know if you're doing a more like analytical or creative or or whatever it is exactly so it says in an information rich world the wealth of information means a dearth of something else a scarcity of whatever it is that information consumes and what information consumes is rather obvious it consumes attention anything that pulls you out of that that flow state of focus is a net negative so like notifications on your phone or emails that pop up or a pet that's making a bunch of noise anything like that is um gonna be really hard for productivity yeah uh and then also as it relates to advertising if you're thinking of attention economics as advertising, you have to get a customer's attention long enough for them to listen to your music or for them to buy your product and, or even just to listen to your cue long enough to decide that you're a decent option to hire. You know, if, if you're a composer, mm-hmm. like how do you grab people's attention? And in a couple of weeks, we have a guest coming on to talk about how they grew a Spotify listenership from scratch all the way to 100,000 plus subs a month. I guess they call them listeners, Spotify listeners, 100K Spotify listeners a month. Oh, wow. So we're going to pick their brain because that is a unicorn status. <laughs> and then I listened to Lex Friedman's interview with The Zuck. Do you ever listen to Lex podcast? Uh, I've seen I've seen some. I I, I think he did one with Elon. Like yep. Maybe a couple of weeks ago, a month ago, something like that. I started watching it. But yeah, he's been he's been getting some uh, some big names on there. Yeah, we'll have Elon on soon. I'm sure. Uh, yeah. So <laughs> so um, Zuck referenced a tweet thread that I wanted to read you, and it says, "Hot take: Everyone is wrong about the metaverse." Uh, Part one, everyone is wrong. Most people think the metaverse is a virtual place, like in the movie Ready Player One. A virtual world like Minecraft or Roblox. But what if it's not a place? It's not a place, it's a time. A moment in time. You know, in artificial intelligence, there's an idea of the singularity. It's a moment in time where AI becomes smarter than humans. The moment when artificial intelligence is more important or greater than human intelligence. 
The metaverse is the moment in time where our digital life is worth more to us than our physical life. This is not an overnight change or an invention by some Steve Jobs type. It's a gradual change that's been happening for 20 years. Every important part of our lives are going digital. Work. It used to be from factories, now it's laptops, from boardrooms to Zoom meetings. Your friends used to be your neighbors and houses close to you to followers. Where do you find like-minded people? Probably not in your neighborhood. It's probably on Twitter, Reddit, Discord, etc. Games, more kids play Fortnite than basketball and football combined. Identity, filters, Instagram filters are the new makeup. Stories are your personal billboard to broadcast who you are. What matters more? What you look like in real life or what you look like on Instagram? And he goes on and on and basically says, everything goes digital, your friends, your job, your identity. If everyone hangs out online all the time, then your flexes and wins need to be digital. And so if you play this forward another 10 to 20 years, we cross into the metaverse, which is the moment in time where digital matters to us more than physical. Our attention used to be 99% on our physical environment. TVs dropped that to 85%, computers down to 70 phones down to 50%. Our attention has been sucked from physical to digital. And then where attention goes, energy flows. And so basically the idea is our lives are slowly becoming more and more important in the online realm and less important in the physical realm where you live, your geography. And so he says, is this a good or bad thing? Not sure. Like anything, it's just a thing. And so that's the moment in time when the metaverse starts, when our virtual life will become more important than our real life. And so I wanted to get your take on that, that kind of concept, because we work remotely, right? And like, you know, I haven't seen you in person in three years, probably. Yeah. But we talk every day, Mm -hmm. you know, so our digital life, as far as work goes, is definitely more important than our physical life because we're not clocking in at a factory, you know, we're not commuting to work most days. Mm -hmm. I feel like the beauty of the digital world is like, it's allowed people to connect with each other that maybe they never would have, you know, making connections. You know, there's a lot of people who've, you know, their lives change. Like for me, like if this didn't exist, I don't, I wouldn't probably be able to work for sound iron. Like how, how would I have, you know, met Mike or, you know, that sort of thing. You know, right. certain certain connections you make or or friendships that you make, you know, it's it, it's not always the the case of how it used to be where you just bump into people at a bar. I mean, that stuff still exists. Yeah, there there is still like the the beauty of like natural human interactions that can alter your life, you know, or 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 allow you to you know do things maybe you never did before. There's a lot of great things about it. I f- I feel it's funny. I was talking about this recently. And there's, but there's so much about it too that can be bad. I think, especially for, you know, with social media, there's, mm-hmm. uh, you know, there's now a lot of things where it's a numbers game, and it can be very detrimental to people's mental health. Yeah. If you if you allow it to to do that to you, you know, it's like if you see it like, hey, this is a tool. Like I use it for, you know, showing people my art. It's it's kind of like with art. Like, would you do it? If social media wasn't around, mm-hmm. probably, 
but now there's a lot of things that people do for social media. Yeah, yeah. You start paying attention it, to the metrics and the, yeah, like, the likes like, and the dopamine. Exactly. Like when I used to practice guitar when I was a kid, I didn't practice a lick so I can like nail it and then record myself and post it on Instagram. Instagram wasn't a thing. Facebook wasn't right. even a thing. You right. sat in there and you nailed it for like your own want to achieve a specific goal musically mm -hmm. or technically or, or whatever. And that's kind of the like the aspect of things that I kind of miss. Like when you did things or you're using your time for that, it's not because I wanted to, you know, making content, the whole like content game. Yeah. So what, you're not, you're not a guitar influencer. Uh, I, I, I don't, I don't <laughs> try to, but um, it, it's just like, it's one of those things like there's beauty and like technological advances, mm -hmm. but then there's always, you know, with everything, there's people who either like abuse it or people who let it get to them. So, I mean, yeah. there is something cool that could be with, you know, like all of this stuff going further and further away from humanity and living in this like cybernetic world. Like, I don't know, like it's, I mean, I'm old school, not, yeah, not old school, old school, but like, I, I still like, it's like, you know, you feel like when you're a kid and you heard people saying like, what's all this, what's all this computer stuff going out? I don't, back in the day, we didn't need a computer, right. you know, but it's like, you know, I came, grew up, you know, to where like, you know, when I was in probably like middle school, high school is like when like all that stuff started kind of becoming more and more in the forefront. So I've, I've seen both. I've mm -hmm. lived in both aspects, but like then it going fully that it's like, mm, it, it gets a little kind of like, I don't know. Cause you it's, see like, yeah. you see how things have been with social media now. And like, there, there are a lot of things that because of it, there's been some ugly things, you know? Well, I think we can both agree that like being on Twitter for 16 hours a day isn't healthy or like being on any social map platform or like your phone for that long isn't like healthy to the human body. <laughs> yeah. It's like, you know, sometimes you're like, Hey, I got to get away from this and like go do something, you know, mm -hmm. like, you know, there is something to say about like having like human interactions and like, Hey, we're going to go out here and you know, we're going to hang out or we're going to shoot pool or something or, yeah. you know, or just go and have a few drinks, get something to eat. Like, you know, as, as much as like, you know, you and me talk every day online, it's kind of like there is, you know, something that's like, oh, you know, it is cool. Like, you know, when we have hung out, like, oh, you know, it's 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 cool to like see people in person and, you know. Yeah, I'm not I think cooler that, in person, though. <laughs> no, you're just way taller. You just <laughs> right. you hover over me. But uh, yeah, it, it's like that. there is there's beauty in both. And I would I would hate to see a world where people just get completely lost in like the digital world. Like, mm -hmm. I mean, it. I'd be curious to see like what kind of things can come from that sort of technology. But. I wouldn't want to get lost in the in the matrix, you know, and just be like lost in the sauce. Yeah, I, I liked this thread because he basically said nobody will call it the metaverse in a few years. That's like super cheesy. It's like in '97, people used to call the internet the information superhighway and cyberspace. He's like, mm -hmm. don't 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 call it that. But I liked that he was talking about your digital life being more important than your physical life in a lot of ways. And I, I completely relate to that because so much of my existence is in the cloud, so to speak, mm -hmm. you know, and like there are parts of my life that I keep physical and like a house and my instruments, but there, there are many more things and, and much of my energy is spent looking at a screen. Yeah, totally. Same here. Um, but I mean, I don't know about you, but I wasn't allowed to get a cell phone until I was 16. And when I got a cell phone, I was a flip phone, you know, rocking the T9 word, no internet on it. 
And so you're, you're sending SMS and very young kids these days are on TikTok. And, you know, you, when you're two years old, you get a government issued iPad, right? Yeah, I've, dude, I've seen like five-year-old kids just like with this giant iPad playing Roblox, like all into it. They know all this stuff like, oh, yeah, go into the thing, blah, blah. I'm like, when I was your age, I was burying toys in the dirt, you know, <laughs> like, yeah. I didn't know anything about any of that. Like, it's crazy to see how, yeah, like kids are just being raised automatically right in into the whole internet and iPads and laptops. Like, I mean, I didn't get a cell phone until I was probably like, maybe like 19. Yeah. But like cell phones were just kind of like more optional. Like it, it was more like just kind of becoming more of like a regular thing. Like, I think probably some people already had them, but like I didn't. And then it was like, oh, you know, you want to get a cell phone? Like, oh, okay. And so it was like, all right. But before that, it was just, you know. Now you're now like even homeless people have cell phones. Yeah. Like everyone has a cell phone. Yeah. There's there's Instagrams of of homeless people that have uh, their own followings and stuff and doing doing their thing. It, it's, it's, it's a crazy time. We live in a very wild time. But it's not going to get any more normal, right? No, it's going to it's going to just get more and more ridiculous. So strap your seatbelt on cuz things about to get real weird. Get real weird. Yeah. Uh okay, so the next thing I wanted to talk to you about is this dude Johnny Greenwood. Okay? So he oh just boy. he just went oh on Boy Johnny. He went on NPR uh Fresh Air and did the podcast with Terry Gross. So I listened to that and he's a very quiet, reserved guy. He doesn't do a lot of interviews. Mm-hmm. But um he has three movies that he scored last year: uh, Spencer, The Power of the Dog, and Licorice Pizza. And they all have very different feeling, very different vibe. And uh, he's a, he's a really interesting guy, and he he's just everywhere right now mm-hmm. for me. So it's it's kind of like when you uh, first buy a car, and you're like, "Oh, I love this car," and then you start seeing that car everywhere. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's how it that's, is yeah. for me and Johnny Greenwood like I watched Phantom Thread this weekend which is which is why I listened to that interview and now he's just I see him everywhere he's all over YouTube he's all over you know Wikipedia is all over my podcast so with the movie Power of the Dog he was trying to make like a western but with a lot of different like elements musical elements in it so he started with a banjo and a string quartet and mm-hmm. it turned out kind of bad so he took a cello and he turned it sideways and started playing banjo cording and like rolling patterns and in the, in the right hand on the cello and that that is the score for power of the dog which is a benedict cumberbatch cowboy movie yeah i remember seeing that i've been kind of wanting to check that out because yeah I, I remember seeing that he scored that and uh and, the, and also yeah phantom threat it's funny i, I was listening to the score i haven't even seen the movie but i've listened to the score just because you know there will be blood was like one of my favorite yeah soundtracks but yeah i've been i've been meaning to want to watch those i didn't know about the the other ones but um the one that you were talking about the bender uh benjamin yeah Cumber- benjamin cumberbun ben benjamin call him dr strange <laughs> he's sherlock to me uh, okay well that's where we don't see eye to eye he is <laughs> dr no, <laughs> let's get one thing straight yeah come, uh, on, come on. so phantom thread honestly the movie was a skip for me but the score was beautiful it was mm-hmm. like wc it was like very impressionistic um he, he had he, did, he rocked the felt piano 
kind of thing going on. Mm-hmm. But uh, it's a really gorgeous, like beautiful piece of piece of work with lots of different themes that come back through the movie. Nice. And then we talked a little bit about There Will Be Blood, which was 2007, and mm-hmm. how he just did all these crazy string articulations. He used one section of the strings would be uh, a quarter tone flat. And so like you get these like crazy dissonant tuning issues with your live orchestra. And he mm-hmm. said the the players also would be listening and they would be trying to fix the pitch as it was going, right? Because, you know, mm-hmm. your ear knows that it's out of tune. So they're constantly playing that first, that first pitch and it's wrong. So they're shifting. And he yeah. said like, that's how so much of it was made was getting those weird sounds and just very eerie, creepy stuff from a live live players yeah that's awesome yeah the stuff he did with that score was just like so cool like you know especially like using a lot of the the string players like as like percussion you know clink, yeah. clink, 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 you know like very just i don't know it just had such a cool or like you know these like cool like odd rhythms and just like using the strings almost as like a band and just doing all kinds of interesting stuff with it and uh, it's just and, and especially like the movie's amazing Daniel right. Lewis is amazing, you know, like so intense. Yeah. Like, have you ever seen like the whole how he developed his character for that movie? I know this is uh-uh. not music related, but like, it's so interesting because like he's such a, you know, uh, what do you call those method uh, actor method actor? Yeah. So like um, I remember hearing an interview where he was talking about how he was developing his voice because his voice sounds nothing. His normal voice sounds nothing like the character in that movie. Okay. And yeah. it's just it, it's crazy how he like went through all these processes to like find the sound of the character and the tone, you know, and everything. And it's just like, yeah, everything about that movie is just like top notch. So good. I would love to see a movie with like him and Brian Cranston. Like that would be like, but yeah, I think he's retired now. So he's, that's what he claimed. Phantom Tide was his last one. Johnny Greenwood also told a cute story about when he first joined Radiohead the old keyboardist before him got fired for playing too loud. So he just played his keyboard with it turned off. And so like he would just have his keyboard turned off in band practice. And Tom York would say, yeah, I really like what you're doing. It's adding an interesting texture. And, <laughs> and because he said it was, you know, we're in this, these tiny practice rooms and everyone's just playing super loud guitar with distortion and drums and all that. Mm-hmm. So like, it makes sense that your keyboard could just be off and no one would know for a while. So he said he, he went home at night and like was learning the chords to these songs and then slowly turned the keyboard up. They're like, you got the gig. <laughs> yeah. It's funny. It's like that that thing have you ever seen like when, when people are in the studio like bands or they don't know what's you know it's their first time and they're like hey you know the you know that thing to the kick can you do that thing to the kick drum make it sound like this and they're like yeah sure and they just grab a knob that does nothing and they're like how does that sound like that's it <laughs> the placebo effect is so powerful man yeah and it's like man like i don't know what you're do- i don't know what you did but like it sounds like 10 times better and you're just like yeah. you just like look at you know the the other person that works with you in the studio and just you're like wow these guys. But speaking of rock bands turned composers, you just got to interview Surge, right? Yeah. Yeah. That was, that was super cool. Uh, Cause I mean, I've been a, a fan of System of a Down since I was in high school. Uh, I think I first heard about them in ninth grade. So 1999, just gave my age away, old man. Before but you like, even had a cell phone. I didn't even have a cell phone. I couldn't even look them up. <laughs> 
<laughs> you had to you had to go you had to get either a CD from somebody or go buy it. Couldn't go yeah. on Apple Apple Music, you know. But uh, yeah, it was it was really cool. Uh, he's a super nice guy. He you know for as much stuff as that guy has done, like if you you know like you know if you have the chance to meet him, he's just like such a super nice guy and down to earth super down to earth and and creative he's always doing like all this stuff like he's like doing symphony stuff like like when you think of him as a singer in system of a down you would never think oh he's like doing all this orchestral stuff and scoring movies so i think there's a lot of people who are like oh i didn't even really know he was doing this or that he's you know doing it so much more you know because it's just so cool to see people kind of change gears in that way you know like people like danny elfman like we've talked about before like yeah making that that switch because um one of the interesting things that i thought of like kind of how we started getting into composing music for visuals and um, for any of you who ha that haven't seen the in the studio you can find it on on our youtube channel and he goes way more into depth and shows some of his work process and that sort of thing yeah craig's but over he, here making documentary style movies on the old <laughs> on the old youtube he's like yeah. shut up kids i'm making a film yeah i'm, I'm on my free time i'm uh trying <laughs> trying to be a documentary man but yeah he was talking about how he first started just you know doing like when he started doing art and then like oh like what about what you know because he showed how he did a painting that was based off of a, a measure of music that he did so you know he like drew it out it has like notes and everywhere but the the notes on the staff are like clocks and there's a lot of you know artistic you know ideas and stuff behind it and and why he went that direction it's like you know because art and music are so like hand in hand mm -hmm. you know people listen people listen to music while they do art there's a lot of people who do music that are inspired by art. Yeah. So visual it, arts uh, usually yeah. have music kind of going along like movies and video games. Yeah, It makes total sense. So, you know, that's how he started kind of getting into like doing music for, for visuals. And then I, you know, cause he, he's not one of those composers who were like, you know, I, I grew up listening to a bunch of, you know, Stravinsky and all these guys, like, you know, he, he really got into it, you know, from a lot of the film scores, you know, mm -hmm. very inspired by film scores and, and that sort of thing and especially you know there's there's so many ways you can get in you know get into it you could be like you know inspired by classical or you know oh i heard the soundtrack for this movie and now i want to do that you know so yeah. there, there's so many different ways you can get into it but yeah it was just it was really cool to see his process and uh he just had he has this new studio it's really really cool and he's just you know showing some of his process of how he was going about scoring this this project that he was working on that was based in australia and yeah, it was it was a really awesome experience and, and and really cool and surreal for me because you know like I said I've been listening to them for like over twenty years or so. So yeah, and long. he was using didgeridoos, right? Yeah, he was showing how he was using our didgeridoo library on this project based in Australia, and he was just like, you know, this is exactly what I needed, mm -hmm. and it was you know because didgeridoos, you know, Australia it makes yeah. sense. Makes sense. And yeah, and he was showing how he used it with some other instruments and and how a lot of the presets were really sort of the starting point for a lot of these cues and and just kind of getting the ball rolling. And then like, yeah, I just, you know, then I added some of this and some of this and have a pretty cool sounding cue. But yeah, he was just saying how, how the uh, the didgeridoo saved his ass. So that was pretty <laughs> cool to see. And, and it was cool to see how he was using it on a on a project. Yeah, I watched the video and he's very charismatic. Everything he says is very compelling and excited. And uh, I thought it was interesting when he was talking about his previous job before mm -hmm. doing music full time. So we won't spoil that. But go watch the In the Studio video and subscribe to our YouTube channel. We know yeah. you're not subscribed yet. 
Yeah, there's a lot of people who watched the videos that are not subscribed. So you know what you got to do and hit that bell. <laughs> smash that smash that like button and smash that you know uh, what that's what all the, all the kids are saying smash that subscribe button right gently caress <laughs> the subscribe button no just uh, take a hammer and just <laughs> um but speaking of our youtube channel we just released high school drum corps yes yeah we just posted the walkthrough we're going to have some composing videos coming soon as well showing it in action uh i did a, a sound iron session a while back using it as well so it's just as applicable you know if you've seen that video uh using it in more of like marching band style i'm not that's not my style but you know with the sound iron sessions i like to try to you know spread spread my wings into into different genres i don't normally do so uh, you can also shot. see yeah you can also see see high school drum corps in action there's a few different videos in the playlist that, that you can check out but yeah it's it's an awesome update because it, it's a really cool library and and this update is definitely uh taking it in, in a in a really cool direction. Yeah, it and makes it much more usable. Mike was a high school percussionist. Uh, he played on the drum line in high school. And so he actually went back to his old high school and recorded uh, a small drum line on the field and in their rehearsal band hall. So we have some different samples. We've got indoor and outdoor. We got basses. The, uh, the low bass, like the biggest bass drum is epic. They play it with yeah. a soft, like a soft mallet, and it's just, it's got this huge thud to it. Just, yeah. So it's on sale right now for $33. And by the time you're listening to this, we will also have a store wide sale going on. All of our products are 33% off. It's a good mm -hmm. time to pick up almost anything. Yeah. Go through it. There's a, there's a lot to choose from. We have like 150 on. products. Yeah, just go in and there's there's all kinds of different stuff. Yeah, but the yeah the high school the high school drum corps library is just the upgrades really cool remastered samples super cool user interface that gives you like so many different things to do you know like you can have like a bass drum playing and a and a snare playing at the same time you can put some ambiences and all kinds of stuff like so many more things you can you know do just with even just one instance of the library is really cool. Yeah, do you have a favorite library? If someone was like, like for instance, someone this weekend was like, what's your favorite sound iron library? And I was like on the spot because we have like 150 products. And I was like, what is my favorite sound iron library? I was like, well, I'll give you a few of my favorites. Yeah. One of them's Imbibophones. Uh, one of them is probably Sonospheres 4. Oh, yeah. One of them is Hyperion Brass Elements, I think emotional piano stuff that i actually use frequently it would be like apocalypse elements mm -hmm. and cruiser but I, I wanted to know if you had like a favorite few that you would recommend somebody who's like just browsing our shop for the first time i would probably say uh apocalypse apocalypse percussion that one is just you know because i love big epic percussion and that's you, you love big bass and you cannot lie I love big bass percussion, and <laughs> I cannot lie. And uh, I would say uh, Hyperion Brass Elements as well. That's a, a really good one. Uh, also Hyperion Strings, like using those together. Uh, emotional Piano, I use that a lot. Mm -hmm. You know, even if I'm just like sketching and it's not in the track, I'm using it just for you know getting inspired and, and flushing out a you know a piece or an idea. Uh, when I do use piano, that's what I use. Uh, I also 
Uh, I really like a lot of the the solo vocal libraries, like mm-hmm. um, Francesca. I use her a lot, especially like, like, like I, I, yeah, like even for my band, um, I did this track that was like this kind of like Viking style, mm-hmm. and I use some of her vocal phrases because if for anyone who's ever seen that show vikings you know there's a lot of like really cool vocal stuff that you hear you know especially for anyone who you know listens to like wardruna and stuff like that uh really really cool stuff you know so i've i've used her on numerous projects also mimi page uh, i've used that on on my own personal projects as well yeah cruiser as well i've used cruiser or like the the voice the uh, voice of rapture uh, you know, like it, it, I'll probably end up just going on, and the, my favorites list will just probably end up. <laughs> it's like a list of fifty. Yeah, but I mean, if I had if I had to recommend a couple, um, also probably recommend Light Choir. I love that Marcado patch when you set yeah. it to phrase. I use that so much because it's just like you know, it's like the recent like the Soundarn session I did. A lot of that's using micro libraries too. Mm-hmm. which was a fun a fun experiment because you know, I think some people think maybe the micro libraries are limited or maybe they don't sound as big as you know maybe the elements or something like I mean of course it's it's less in articulations but mm-hmm. um, you know you can get a huge sound even just with those but yeah the Requiem like choir is probably like when I need epic you know because you could just be like you know changing the different phrases like with every time you stop and start you know so it's just so fun to play, you know, especially if, if you like Skyrim or something like those kind yeah. of, you know, it's yeah. just really cool. Instant epic for sure. You, you, yeah. uh, it's easy to get lucky. And those are the libraries that I like, like when I have go-tos, it's, it's one of those where you open up a patch and you instantly are taken somewhere that you can use, you know, it's like, it's easy to get lucky is the way I kind of think of it. Like I'm, I'm yeah. you know, noodling and it's like, Oh, that sounds good. Oh, record that. Oh yeah. I get that idea down. Yeah, especially like circle bells too. That's like one of those like kind mm-hmm. of like uh, what do you call those? Like your your secret secret libraries that you just kind of like it. it people are probably like, what is that? I don't know what that is. Like you know, because it has like such a very like cool tone to it. Yeah, you're like, like that's very the like point. melodic. Yeah, but it's like those kind of like like hidden treasure libraries where like you're like, oh wow, I didn't even like know I needed that until you hear it, sort of thing. And it's like really cool, just you know. Like so many of those, like the little tune percussion libraries that are just like so fun to use and very like musical and inspiring and or flatulous, just put flatulous on everything. <laughs> layer that. The secret layer that sauce. With some choir. Yeah. The secret sauce is like, like, man, how did you get the the low end in that track to sound so right? So huge. So flatulous. huge. And you did the trailer for that. Oh yeah. That was yeah, that was probably like the funnest. <laughs> trailer i've all I've time ever great. gotten to make like when do you ever get to say now you can say your music is the shit with <laughs> not often yeah. not often that's my favorite line <laughs> yeah that was so fun i was literally like i had to stop recording because i'm laughing like reading these lines that i wrote i'm just like when else can i get away with this you know and that's the beauty of sound iron you know want to do a far library let's do it <laughs> boom and on that brown note we'll close it out here <laughs> Uh, I don't have any recommendations other than that podcast. You can check out the Lex and Zuck podcast if you want to watch Zuckerberg get a little uncomfortable. He did a really good job, you know, talking about his vision for Facebook and Meta and all that. And um, Johnny Greenwood, you should listen to his score and you should subscribe to our YouTube channel. Yeah, I recommend that you subscribe to the YouTube channel because we have a lot of cool stuff coming. You know, we've got a lot of cool walkthroughs. You want to stay up to date on any of the new walkthroughs. 
composition videos, watch Nathan show you how it's done, you know, making a track <laughs> from just using one library, you know, free, free got, expansion packs coming up. Yeah. We got a lot of cool stuff coming, you know, a lot of, a lot more in the studio interviews we want to do sound iron sessions, you know, stay up to date. Don't yeah. miss out. The, the FOMO is real. All right. Uh, I think that does it for us. Craig, I'll catch you next week. Catch y'all on the flippity flip. <laughs> Peace.